it is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. The investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired. Christine, Laura, what you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations. Arise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. And I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. Before we get to our guest, I wanted to talk to you about something that's really important to me, which is privacy. Moving money around, moving information, sending messages in today's world with Web 3.0 coming down the pike. Privacy is very critical, especially to a journalist like myself. Utopia P2P is a complete privacy ecosystem. It's a 360-degree approach to privacy. It includes everything you need to move information or value around the world. It includes a encrypted messenger service, an email platform, and cryptocurrency payment system. It's fully decentralized, so it's not on any main server. It's based on blockchain, so it's distributed. It has an unmatched level of security. It has a feature-rich toolkit on the system uh, that supports 28 languages. There's a very low barrier to entry, and it also supports Bitcoin and also their coin internally. So if you're looking for a way to move information and money around the world where you don't want prying eyes uh, looking at what you're doing, go to Utopia P2P and have complete privacy on their system. And now let's get to our guest. Welcome back to Information Operation. As always, we love to bring you what's going on in the state of Georgia, especially since we have the Georgia record down there now. And yesterday, Garland Favorito, who's a frequent guest, uh, had a news conference where he released some very interesting information on the, uh, the, to lack of a better word, the election fraud in Georgia in 2020. Garland, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, good to be back with you, Todd. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and give us an overview of what you released in the press conference, and then we can go from there. Yeah, so yesterday we released our preliminary findings from what the we found in analyzing the Dropbox chain of custody forms uh, that we've gotten so far. We still haven't mm -hmm. gotten them all, mm -hmm. um, but uh, we felt like it was time to put some out. And we showed some videos. And most of the people haven't seen these surveillance videos of the drop boxes. Mm -hmm. And I think they were very interesting. But the nutshell of our, um, our uh, analysis so far is that we found nearly 107,000 uh, drop box ballots that had improper chain of custody forms. Mm -hmm. So that calls into question their authenticity. What does that mean, an improper chain of custody form to the layman? Oh, well, we, oh, that's a great question. So we walked through all that yesterday. Okay. And um, we, there, there are two basic problems. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is that the, the state, uh, they, they, they violate the um, state election board rules, mm -hmm. or they have impossible circumstances so let me give you a, a few examples. Uh, the ones that violated the state uh, rules, we found forms that were unsigned by collection team members. So mm -hmm. who picked up the ballots? It's supposed to be two uh, that signed. We found forms that um, only had one person identified on the pickup team. Again, it's supposed to be two. 
Um, we had forms that had uh, no names of who received it at the election center when it was brought back in. Uh, and we had forms that were not received on the same day of the pickup. So they were held overnight. Right. All of those are violations of, of the um, state election board rules about drop boxes. Uh, but then in addition to that, we found out all these impossible circumstances. So uh, for example, we found out that there were forms that had collection times um, after the drop-off times. So mm -hmm. how do you drop them off? How do you collect them and you know, drop them off before you collect them? That didn't make any sense. We found uh, forms, well, that had pickup times for locations that were too close together. So in other words, uh, and that, that had to be inaccurate. So we would know that this location was 20 miles from that location, but yet the pickup time was three minutes difference. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not possible. Right. Uh, so, you know, so what, what, what's happening? Are people forging these or what? Well, it looks like they just manufactured all of it. I mean, well, a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Todd. So mm -hmm. we found, and here's some really crazy ones. We found forms that had pickups dated before the boxes were even installed. Nice. And I'm not not by a day, but like by two weeks. Wow. And then we had uh, pickups on the day after the election. Uh, that's, that's even better. That's illegal. Yeah. And then we had other discrepancies that our, David Hancock pointed out. He, he did the presentation. Um, we had other discrepancies. For example, David showed uh, a, a form that was unsigned that the county, the state had gotten from the county. And then he would show the same form that the county gave us with a signature on it. Well, how'd that happen? The county must have manufactured, as you said, Todd, manufactured mm -hmm. that, that signature after they had submitted it, it's after the fact. So uh, those are just a few of the things that led up to our 107,000 uh, uh, ballots that had invalid chain of custody. But we're not done yet. This was just a preliminary um, right. Uh, uh, analysis, uh, and we just. But what we're finding now is that many of the forms, many of the counties, don't have their um, their oaths for the the collection team members. The collection team members are required to sign oaths. We're not finding them for a lot of counties, and we've got, counties are saying, "Oh no, we have them under seal and all that stuff." What you know, you, can, you mm -hmm. can't. You don't seal an oath. Um, that has to be uh, by public record. It has to be uh, uh, open records, has to be available for open records request. Uh, then we are finding that they have destroyed their surveillance video, so which is supposed to have been kept for two years under both federal and state law. So lots of uh, problems. Uh, that was just kind of the, the nutshell overview of what we found on the forms. And then we found uh, a few things under surveillance, uh, if you want to go into that. Yeah. So real quick, the, the margin of vict victory for Biden was what, 12,000 votes in Georgia? Yeah, 11,779, about 12,000. So you've got almost 10 times uh, the margin of error with really illegal ballots. Uh, right, right. Ballots mm -hmm. that have no chain of custody, so therefore they should not have been counted. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can't do it right, they shouldn't, you know, put them in. And essentially it looks like the opposition or 
whoever was doing this uh, manufactured ballots and had no no uh, desire to follow the law whatsoever uh, when they were doing this. Well, yeah, some of these are honest mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then some of these are, as you said, they manufactured things mm -hmm. when after they realized that they violated the law. So how, what, what is the legal procedure when those are found as far as bringing that to the, and we can get into this later if you want, but bringing that to the attention of the authorities in Georgia and what is supposed to be the remedy for those, for that really illegal ballots? Yeah, oh, a great question. I don't think it's clear because the, mm -hmm. the, the the code doesn't really go into much into drop boxes. Most of the drop box regulations are state election board rules. Mm -hmm. So they don't really have clear cut um, provisions for how to deal with this type of, of problem. And you know, it's like the counterfeit ballots. No, yeah. no provision to do anything with it once you find counterfeit ballots. What, was it, were these set up under the consent decree with Stacey Abrams? I mean, was it, which is technically illegal altogether, uh, setting up all these drop boxes? Um. Well, it's interesting that you said that. So the consent agreement, uh, so what they call the settlement agreement, mm -hmm. it actually kind of facilitates this because if mm -hmm. you remember, one of the key parts of the settlement agreement was that it reduced the signature verification uh, matching restrictions. Mm -hmm. uh, and what they did was they matched the signatures against the application instead of against the voter, uh, the voter's actual signature on file. And so if the application was uh, forged, then the signature on the ballot could have uh, been, been right. forged. Uh, and then they could even be updated uh, into the voter records. Mm -hmm. uh, so those, uh, that kind of goes hand in hand with if you can drop these ballots in a ballot box and they're not valid and then you're not going to do the appropriate signature checking uh, it's basically an invitation for fraud yeah you can just create voters yeah, yeah. create votes manufacture yeah. votes exactly so tell us, tell us how, about how, it. yeah go ahead yeah how, how do you know that 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 didn't happen i mean, how, right. I mean right, right it's almost like it was set up on attention intentionally so tell us about the surveillance videos. I cut you off. So no, that's okay. So the surveillance videos, uh, similar thing. You know, we showed a couple of videos um, about how you, you. The first problem is you can't see what's being put in the box, even in the daytime, because the, the cameras are behind the box and typically they're far away. But the most important thing is that you have no idea what's being put in the box at nighttime. You mm -hmm. don't know who's. You, you don't have a, a picture of who it is because it's dark. The camera's too far away. It's not adequate lighting as required by the state election board rules. And if someone is in fact um, a ballot harvesting team or or one of 242 people are in fact doing a ballot harvesting and dropping these ballots into the boxes from midnight till five or six in the morning, you have no way to to determine uh who that is and what they have put in the box uh so right. it's an absurd context so so basically what the video shows i think is that it, it the evidence that true the vote has come up with is very uh plausible uh and that you could not detect a ballot harvesting team if it was operating mm -hmm. uh, you couldn't you really uh, have no way of knowing so they have cover uh, as long as they're putting that stuff uh, in the box under uh, at nighttime. So 
True the Vote actually, and this may not be your area, but they they found cell phone numbers of who was doing a lot of these drop boxes, right? And then they tried to associate that with the video surveillance. Am I saying yeah. that correct? Yeah. So my understanding is the geotracking information that they found, they identified mm -hmm. 242 um, phones that kept going to these same uh, Dropbox areas mm -hmm. uh, or within a very, very short, short distance. I, you know, I, I think that the, now they've got geotracking down to like a hundred feet or so. Mm -hmm. So they were literally within a uh, hundred feet or so of, of the box many, many times. Mm -hmm. So why do they keep coming back and forth to that box? You know, it's an election office. You know, mm -hmm. Typically these are in elections office stuff. Why would they need to go back to them? Yeah. So, um, so that doesn't make sense. It's not like you're going to a grocery store. Right. So uh, it, that didn't make sense. And then they, uh, they offered some video surveillance, my understanding. Uh, they had some in the daytime of people um, with bat, um, uh, nap pack, um, back, backpacks, and they're pulling bots out of backpacks and dropping them in yeah. to the, to the, to the um, drop box. And then my understanding is they have a whistleblower uh, if, if the reports are true that they're claiming that the whistleblower said he was paid $10 per ballot and did, I think, about 4,500 ballots, dropped it right. about 100. And now the Secretary of State says, those were authentic ballots. Well, how do you know that? Right. How do you know that they were authentic? You can't say them. And the Secretary of State is blocking uh, um, the inspection of the ballots. The only way you can really know if they were authentic uh, it's either, you know, first of all, you'd have to have the video, but then on top of that, most even more important is you have to be able to, to see the ballots. And the Secretary of State is blocking us, as you know, from seeing the ballots. And all we've been saying all along for the last year is show us the ballots. Right. So you made a comment yesterday that you believe the Secretary of State is covering up election fraud in Georgia. Did I say that correct? Yeah, I was asked by a Fox 5 reporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you believe that the uh, Secretary of State is 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 in a cover up? Is covering up stuff mm -hmm. uh, about the election? So you know, it didn't take me long to think about that. But the you, I said, you know, look at the evidence. Okay, let's mm -hmm. let's. You know, I'm entitled to an opinion, but let's look at the evidence. The evidence is that he filed an amicus brief in our case to prevent us, and at least he attempted to prevent us from looking at the ballots in which we had six sworn affidavits that they were counterfeit. And now he's denying he filed that or, or what, 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 which is strange. That's the bizarre part of that. So yeah. on the John Fredericks radio show, he goes on and, um, and uh, I asked him about this uh, on the show. This is Brad Raffensperger. Brad so audience, right. Yes. Thank you. Um, mm. And uh, he said, well, that was Chris Carr because Chris Carr signed it. Well, the, the brief was, was uh, created on behalf of the Secretary of State, Brad Ravensburg, and it says it right in the title of the, the legal brief that's right. filed. The legal brief was filed on his behalf by the Attorney General, Chris Carr. And, and Ravensburger attempted to throw Carr under the bus, and rightfully so, he should have been thrown under the bus for even uh, signing on to that amicus brief. Uh, Chris Carr did not have to do that. Yeah, and He should be held accountable for that. 
but because it had false information on it. But the fact that he would actually, this is Brad Ravensburg, would actually think that the public would believe that he had nothing to do with that amicus brief is just, it shows that he's in some other, he's on some other planet. Um, you know, how could how could any informed person? Well, he's desperate to hide the truth. I mean, so you start, yeah. you start lying, and it's he like, knows yeah. that he knows that the regular news media will cover up for him. Right. And the uh, of course, John Fredericks isn't going to do that. Yeah. And so um, he was grilled for about two hours on that. But to go back to your point, so we've got that. <clears throat> you look at the State Farm Arena video. You see if you are familiar with. Uh, election line, Georgia. There's four or five violations of law in that video, and his mm-hmm. office is saying it's normal ballot processing. Yeah. Then the other information that I mentioned was that every time an elections director in the county has brought serious questions about the Dominion voting system, <clears throat> he has called for their resignation, or someone in his office has called for their resignation. They have gone around uh, the back doors and trying to get them out. Uh, and they've been successful at purging some of the elections of directors who had significant evidence of problems with the Dominion voting system. So you put all those three pieces of the puzzle together, the, the uh, State Farm Arena video, which he says is normal. You got the amicus brief, which, which put the state on record as against election transparency. <clears throat> and then you've got his intentional uh, prosecution or attempted uh, uh, persecution, I would say, of county election officials who are whistleblowers. You right. add all that stuff up. Yes. How could any other informed person who is unbiased, how could they reach any other conclusion other than the fact that the secretary of state is covering up some type of election fraud in the November 2020 election or the January 5th? Uh, 2021 election or both. Right. So real quick for our audience, there's several cases making their way through the system. You have your case for the ballot inspection in Fulton County. You've appealed that, right? Is that where that stands at this point? We have appealed that and we have appealed that to the Georgia Court of Appeals. Mm -hmm. That's one. Yes. Uh, And we are right now, I mentioned yesterday, but we we are, uh, it appears that the Fulton County has sat on that appeal and not sent it up to wow. the Georgia Court of Appeals. We're, we're looking into that a little bit deeper before we announce something. But that doesn't look good. So uh, that's the judiciary in Fulton County not forwarding the appeal to the correct court? How, is that, court. how is that possible? Clerk of the court. Well, yeah. uh, they received it and they stopped, file stamped it, but they uh, didn't transmit it to the Court of Appeals. Um, wow. That we, it, it appears. We want to I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for another couple of days until we put all the evidence together on that. But it, right. it, they have sat on it. Uh, now, the other appeal from the other two plaintiffs got uh, that went to the Georgia Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Um, although we don't know yet who's going to hear it, whether it be the Supreme Court or the Court of Appeals, that might end up in our in that, the same court that we appeal to. Um, so, and then you have David Perdue's lawsuit, uh, which is similar, the same thing. All. Three of the lawsuits say the same thing. Show us the ballots. Right. We know that there is uh, a problem. There are counterfeit ballots in the Fulton County election results. We just don't know how many. Yeah. We want to see the ballots. Once we can see the ballots, we will know if the ballots 
map up to the election results. And I think the problem is the Secretary of State knows that they will not. Right, of course. So he's blocking it. And he's blocking it. So also there's the case of Judge Totenberg, who said the system in Georgia was illegal in October of 2020. And there was a judge who dismissed that. And you've appealed that also. Is that correct? No, the judge has not dismissed that case. Oh, okay. Uh, that case is still active. We are waiting for a uh, decision on that. Oh, so she hasn't decided yet. Correct. She has not decided. She hasn't. She wasn't very friendly to us. Right. Um, uh, I remember that. Which, yeah, which she actually uh, implied that. In fact, she actually stated it and didn't just imply it that maybe we were misinterpreting Judge Totenberg's ruling. Now, that is one of the most laughable things I've ever heard a Fulton County judge say. Right. Because if you read her, the Judge Tugberg's two scathing rulings uh, against the Secretary of State, totaling 300 pages after she had, had, had reviewed the most comprehensive set of evidence ever conducted in an election case in Georgia, she writes these two scathing rulings and calls the Secretary of State quote, not credible, unquote. And then somehow this Judge Adams thinks that we're misinterpreting. So couldn't that. Judge Totenberg rule on that also and provide relief? Yeah, or? absolutely. She can. And she but can she's not. Anytime. Well, she hasn't so far. Uh, and that's an issue. I think that's, that's Because the election is coming and that's why yeah. she didn't rule in 2019 or 2020 because the yeah. election was coming, yeah. right? It has to be ruled. And see, here's the problem. Todd, you have to have a judge that has uh, courage. Right. Uh, so uh, where these judges uh, lack courage. They want to just go, you know, under the table, under the rug, not be heard and seen uh, when you get to something that impacts this amount of number of people. So we have uh, to make it obvious that they have the support of the people and that it's obvious there's fraud and they need to do the right thing. So the right. people have to rise up and give them cover, basically. Right. I think that's a very good suggestion. Yes. Yeah. Garland, thank you. Is there anything else? How can people get to your website, support your amazing, persistent efforts in Georgia over a decade or more? Well, thank you, Todd. Uh, you know, as you can see on the screen, the, the organization is voterj.org. Um, you can find us on all the social media platforms uh, with hashtag voterga um, or, or maybe at sign voterga, depending upon the platform. And uh, we, uh, as I always say, um, if you're local, you can you know, always volunteer and help us that way. But if you're not uh, or you don't have time, it really helps to have donations. They're trying to string us out uh, with these appeals and everything. But we are not going to give up until we get to the bottom of this. Right. And, and, and we fix it for 2022. So, sure. so we do need uh, we do need uh, as many donations as we can help. Uh, it is a 501c3 tax deductible, and I don't take any salary out of it. Uh, I am a volunteer. Garland, thank you very much. You're always just a wealth of information, and I know our audience loves hearing from the horse's mouth. So, thank you very much. <laughs> well, some end of the horse. <laughs> <laughs> you are in Georgia. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. All right. Take care, Garland. Thanks. Thanks, Thank you.